Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, Holy Mother Church around the world celebrates the great day of Easter. It's a day different amongst all other days. Today, we celebrate an event in which changed the entire universe forever. After Jesus' resurrection, nothing was the same. Everything changed, and changed for the better. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was an event that essentially all of Christianity revolves around. The resurrection of Christ defines who we are as Catholics. Our identity resonates from Jesus' resurrection. More to it, if you look at the Catholic Church's doctrine, dogma, the readings and the writings of the early church fathers and the saints, everything is wrapped around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just look at the Gospels and the Epistles and the Sacred Scripture. All of them are centered around the resurrection of Christ. Paul puts it best in Galatians. He says, If Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, then our faith is in vain. Well, that is so true. At the very heart of our Catholic faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember the story of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles in the upper room. Suddenly, they burst out of the upper room. They go out into the streets. And what do they preach? The resurrected Christ. The very first few years of our early church, the one thing the apostles preached, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did they talk about Jesus' miracles? Yes, but that came years afterwards. Did they talk about Jesus' way of life? Yes, but that came later. Did they talk about Jesus' moral teaching? Yes, but that came later. The very first few years of our early church, the apostles preached one thing and one thing only, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the good news of the gospel. And see, that demonstrates just how profoundly moved the apostles were and how amazed they were at the resurrection of Christ. Look at the gospel for today. Notice how it begins. It says, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Siloam, brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. Very early, when the sun had risen, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb. On the first day of the week. What is that reference? Well, the story of creation. Essentially, what Mark is doing, he's reaching back and he's grabbing the story of creation and he's putting it alongside the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you have to realize, if you are a first century Jew or Christian, before the resurrection of Jesus, the greatest story in the Bible was a story of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God saw how good it was. Evening came and morning followed, the first day. The story of creation 
is something that God creates in an extraordinary and fantastic way. The entire universe that we know. And he does it by his word alone. Now, Mark knows that. And so what he's trying to do is he's trying to take that story and he's telling us that now there's an even greater story. It's the story of Jesus's passion, death, and resurrection. In that story of Jesus's passion, death, and resurrection, God is recreating once again, but doing it in a most powerful way. God, yes, is doing something extraordinary once again, something never done before, something no one could even imagine or begin to think. God the Father raises his son from the dead and in doing so gives us the hope and the promise that we too will participate in the resurrection ourselves. Now, Notice how the story continues. It says, They were saying to one another, Who will roll back the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Well, the stone was large, large enough such that two people or maybe three could not roll it. They needed more people. Symbolically speaking, the stone represent the finality of death. Before Jesus, death had the final say over us all. It was permanent. There was nothing after death. Death had its permanent grip over us. And yet, the women arrive and the stone is rolled away. Well, now the permanency of death is no longer, we could say. The grip of death that once was held over us is broken for all of eternity. More to it, if you look at Matthew's gospel, people speculated that there were grave robbers. Somebody broke into the grave and stole Jesus' body. On the contrary, Instead, Jesus broke out of the tomb. Now it says, Upon entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a white robe, and they were utterly amazed. Now, they were amazed, and they should be. Remember, they were going to the tomb. They were expecting to see Jesus' body, to anoint him. And now the body is gone, and they see an angel, and the angel is talking to them. Well, I would be also amazed and even scared. Now notice what the angel says. He said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Now this is important. He said, Go and tell his disciples and Peter. He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. Now notice he mentions Peter's name. He doesn't mention the names of any other ten apostles. He doesn't mention the names of Philip or Andrew or James or John, but he specifically mentions the name of Peter. Now why does he single Peter out? Well, because Peter is in great need of forgiveness, and Jesus knows that. Peter is the one that betrayed Jesus. Peter is the one who denied Jesus three times. Peter is in dire need of being forgiven. So it begs the question, have we ever been betrayed? Has our confidence or trust been betrayed? Maybe by a friend, maybe a relative, maybe a family member. How did we feel? Did we forgive that person right away? Or did we hold a grudge? Or maybe we forgave that person after a while, but the relationship was never the same again. And see, Jesus knows that. 
Jesus, upon his resurrection, immediately announces to Peter a message of forgiveness. Now, that is so important. Jesus specifically mentions to Peter, as well as the apostles, that when he comes, he wants to forgive them. Jesus wants nothing to come between him and his apostles, especially Peter, because he knows Peter is going to be the leader of the apostles and our church. Now, this is a powerful statement to make. It tells us how overwhelming God's abundant mercy is. It's always over the top. Despite our weaknesses, despite our sinfulness, God's mercy is all the more powerful. All we have to do is ask for it, just like Peter did, and we will receive it. That's so important. Notice also the detail. The angel tells Mary Magdalene and Mary, he says, He, Jesus, is going before you to Galilee. Then you will see him there. Now that's so important. Why? Because that's their home. That's the home of Jesus and the apostles. And that's where the entire ministry in our church began, in Galilee. Who else is in Galilee? Mary. I firmly believe, in my personal opinion, the very first person that Jesus appeared to was his mother, Mary. And why not? Mary was the very first disciple of Jesus Christ. From the very moment of her conception, she became a living disciple of Jesus Christ, long before the apostles did. More to it, Mary never abandoned her son even to the extent of standing at the foot of the cross and watching him die. When all the other apostles abandoned Jesus, she stood with him. That being said, I think it's only proper and right that the very first person that Jesus should appear to should be his mother. His greatest disciple and most loyal disciple was his mother. You can only imagine the loving embrace between Jesus and Mary when he first appeared to her after the resurrection. Now, stay with Jesus' resurrection. When we think about it, our natural inclination is to respond to it, to try and live a life worthy of that great resurrection ourselves. Now realize, we cannot merit or earn salvation. Ultimately, it is a gift from God. But we stop and think and fathom what we celebrate here today, that God died and rose from the dead, not for his own grandeur or his own majesty or, or notoriety, but he did it specifically for us so that we might have eternal life. We might be in a right relationship, righteousness with God. Therefore, if we truly allow that to resonate deep within us, then our natural response is to have a daily prayer life to come to Mass every week, to engage the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, to volunteer at our parish, to live lives worthy of that great gift that Jesus gives us, the gift of eternal life and our own resurrection. One last thing to think about. The best thing that we can do right now, today, and each and every day of our life is proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. More to it, that the resurrected Christ is living now in and through us. And the greatest way that we can proclaim that is not through words, but how we live out our faith, 
how we live out our faith day in and day out, how we behave and conduct ourselves is the greatest way that we proclaim to the entire world Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and now lives in and through us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.